This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It is BFM 89.9. My name is Rich Bradbury. Good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from headlines to the bottom line. And today we're going to be exploring Thailand's tourism edge and how the biggest tourist destination in the region uh, continues to stand out in an increasingly competitive field. We'll get into how it stacks up against Malaysia and the rest of the region, what we can learn from our neighbour up north to improve our tourism efforts and our policies. This all really came about when the news came out last week that in 2023, Malaysians topped the list of international visitors to Thailand, making up around 16% of their international visitors. This was part of some data announced by Thailand's tourism and sports minister that more than 28 million foreign tourists visited Thailand last year, generating 1.2 trillion baht in revenue. Uh, that's around 160 billion ringgit. And that Thailand expects to receive 35 million visitors in 2024, short of the record 39.8 million arrivals and around 253 billion baht in revenue uh, generated in 2019. 28 million foreign tourists is a lot and puts Thailand at the top of the list of destinations in Southeast Asia. While full-year data isn't out yet, uh, for some context, in December, The Edge reported that Tourism Malaysia's Deputy Director General said we hit 14.4 million tourist arrivals in the first nine months of 2023 and that Malaysia had revised its full-year forecast upwards to 19.1 million. So, if we hit our target... That still puts us around 9 million tourists behind Thailand. So, you know, there could be a lot to learn from Thailand's tourism sector and how it has now become a, and how it's become a popular tourism and travel destination. So today on the show, we'll get into that as well as how Southeast Asia's biggest tourist destination continues to stand out in an increasingly competitive field, how it stacks up against Malaysia, what we can learn from Thailand to improve our tourism here and more, and to help us explore this further. In the studio with me right now, I have travel and tourism analyst Gary Bauman, Director of Travel and Tourism research firm Check in Asia. Gary, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I'm good, thank you. New Year, New Year. Let's, happy uh, New Year to happy you. Happy New Year yes, to you too. Yes. Let's be positive. And of course, we've got Nigel Wong, President of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents, MATA, the National Umbrella Representative Body for Malaysia's Travel Industry. Hi, Nigel. How are you? Good, Rich. Good to be back. And welcome back indeed. A Happy New Year to you too. Thank you. MATA, of course, has a membership of over 2,900 organisations uh, comprising local tour and travel organisations as well as overseas affiliations. That's about right, 2,900? Right? So, um, there are about 2,500 after COVID okay. uh, oh, right. local okay. operators yep. and with the uh, affiliations, of course. All right. So um, if you have any thoughts on this topic, and I'm sure there are some of you at home who probably do, uh, you can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, like usual, 018-789-8899. And of course, reach out to us on X at BFM uh, Radio. Now, of course, let's just jump straight into things like... More than 28 million foreign tourists visiting Thailand last year, bringing in 160 billion ringgit in, in, in revenue for their economy. Can you, uh, I, I, I guess, Nigel, put that into perspective for us? What does this tell us about the size of Thailand's tourism economy and how it compares regionally and then internationally? 
Uh, look, I think just looking at the numbers itself, you know, Thailand's tourism economy is huge, especially post-COVID. Mm. Uh, if you compare that to their 2019 numbers. Um, so if you're talking about being a tourism powerhouse in Asia, at Southeast Asia at the moment, they are a tourism powerhouse. And it looks like they're going to be maintaining that momentum for quite a while to come. Mm. Uh, what's most interesting, of course, is not just the numbers, but what they're actually reporting as their tourism receipts. Uh, I think even back in 2019, when Malaysia did 26 million, you know, we only clocked about 85 or 86 billion receipts. They're really clocking 160 billion ringgit, uh, and this is in 2023. So it's actually quite phenomenal. Mm. Um, that being said, if they continue along this trend, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with within the region and maybe even uh, globally. Mm. Gary? Yeah, I would agree with Nigel. I think it's a pretty strong recovery in 2023, given you know, what happened with COVID. Uh, Thailand is, as Nigel says, the powerhouse for tourism in Southeast Asia and in Asia as well. Mm -hmm. I think if we look forward uh, going forward, there are two countries really which are driving travel and tourism in Asia. One is Thailand, the other is Japan. They're in competition. Both have this target that they want to both reach of 40 million annual tourist arrivals. Mm. Uh, probably won't do it this year, but maybe by 2025, they will both do that. But I think in terms of Thailand in our region, you know, I think a lot of uh, countries around the region look quite covetously at what, what's happening in yeah. Thailand. But it's actually good for the region when you yeah. think about it. You know, it, it's really generating interest in, in Southeast Asian travel and tourism. Mm. Thailand was at the forefront before COVID-19. So this isn't anything new. Mm. Um, but I think it shows that it's a, a strong recovery. Um, and we'll talk about Malaysia's recovery as well, which I also think has been quite um, encouraging. Yeah, going it's, it's been reasonable, yep. right? It, it's not been terrible. Can we just kind of explore, I guess, uh, the sense of what plays into Thailand's current success as a tourism destination? And I say current, but it's not just current. You know, it, they've always been successful, you know, for, for the most part. What do you think it is? Um, and you say we, we look at them covetously. You know, what is it, do you think, that people find so enamoring about Thailand? I think it's many things. I think Thailand has always had a reputation for its service economy. It's geographically quite compact. So you've got the mainland and you've got the islands. They're all in quite close proximity to it. You know, Malaysia has that problem of two different mm. uh, geographics, which is quite difficult to market. Mm. Um, Thailand doesn't have that problem. It's it's known worldwide for food. It's known worldwide for its culture. It's known worldwide for its beaches. It's 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 embrace of travel and tourism going back over you know twenty thirty years. It was one of the first long haul destinations in Asia, mm. which really made a mark in European markets, North American markets. It's now very very popular with with Asian tourists. Um, so it has a lot of those things in its favour, and it really really promotes um, tourism as part of the national personality. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's very very important. That comes from the top. We saw that during the pandemic. The prime minister at the time was very, very engaged in recovering travel and tourism. The new prime minister as well is very, very much at the forefront of driving uh, this new era. So it, it's all of those things together and more, I would say. Yeah. Um, interesting point you brought up, Gary, because I think one of the key points there, besides all the wonderful things that Thailand is, is the... Um, but the unity that you see in the government when they say, look, tourism is going to be uh, and will continue to be our number one uh, economic pillar, right? Mm. And so all the government agencies, uh, the prime, beginning from the prime minister all the way down, uh, and even to the local person on the street, they're very focused on making tourism a part of that Thai identity, 
you know, they work together. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why Thailand has been so successful. And it's not just because of their policies per se or the way they promote Thailand, but it's, it also relates to, um, how should I put it, the perception of Thailand as a very accessible, very yeah. friendly, yeah. easygoing destination. Mm, mm. And that's something um, we should be taking away mm. you know, from Thailand's success. And it's, I guess for me as well, it's association of, of Thailand when you're outside of Thailand. I mean, you, you go down any high street in the UK, for example, you know, there's going to be a Thai restaurant restaurant or there's going to be a Chinese restaurant or, or whatever. Very rarely do you see an, uh, outside of England an English restaurant, but you will see a Malaysian restaurant, for example, is very difficult to find outside of Malaysia. I, I mean, there's one in my hometown, but it's a very small place. You know, there might be the odd one or two in London and a few of the bigger cities in the UK. But it's that export of, of Thailand as well that kind of fixes it in your brain the same way that Korea have been doing over the last few years. Would you agree? Yeah, Rich, there's actually a good reason behind that as well. If you go back to about 2001, Mm. uh, the Thai government and all all parts of the government put together a program to promote um, the opening of Thai restaurants around the world. And Mm. they supported entrepreneurs who wanted to go and do that around the world by offering loans, by offering training to chefs uh, to go out and and spread the world, Mm. uh, spread the word. Malaysia also did that, but it was a few years later. Mm. Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, I was just back in the UK over Christmas. My home city is Oxford. And there are four Thai restaurants in the centre, in the city centre. And Oxford's not a big city. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It, 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 that helps to add to the perception of Thailand as being, uh, as you said, an accessible country and one that really promotes itself worldwide mm. quite successfully, mm. I would say. All right. Let's take a short break, gentlemen. Uh, You are, of course, listening to the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And today, we are exploring what makes Thailand tourism stand out. Uh, I'm here with travel and tourism analyst Gary Bowerman, Director of Travel and Tourism Research for Czech in Asia, and Nigel Wong, President of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents, MATA, the national umbrella representing body for Malaysia's travel industry. We'll be back after a few messages, so do Keep it here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Be free, Malaysians. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back. My name is Rich Bradbury, and welcome back to the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Uh, Today, we are exploring what makes Thailand's tourism stand out. I'm here with Gary Bauman, travel and tourism analyst, and of course, Nigel Wong, the president of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents. Now, um, Malaysia had a 2023 full-year forecast of 19.1 million foreign tourists. Where does this put us regionally, Nigel? Um, I think the forecast has now been upgraded a little bit. The official numbers stand at close to, I think, 26 million or something like that. Um, Basically, it it puts us as also one of the key tourism players in in the region. Mm. Um, A lot of that is also because of our cross-border traffic, you know, people driving across borders, which is also very good for the economy. Um, But yeah, technically, we are one of the major players Mm. uh, within the Southeast Asian region. Okay, so I I have a question here, and it it could be quite controversial. We, We had a bit of a chat about it outside. What is the fundamental difference and how can we compare the way that Malaysia promotes tourism compared to how Thailand promotes tourism? Gary, let's start with you. That's a million-dollar question. Right. I would say 
the way that Thailand, as I mentioned before, the way that Thailand promotes tourism is, is part of the personality of the nation. It comes right from the top. And as Nigel said, you know, it's very, very integrated into the economy. No, they make no bones about that. And if, if we go back to during COVID, for example, they were the first country that was driving, trying to reopen. You remember the Phuket sandbox, you know, in, uh, in July 2021 yeah. was that. And yeah. then the test and go. Yeah. They really wanted to bring back tourism. And I think that showed the world just not just how important it was to the economy, but just how Thailand loves and embraces tourism. Mm. Malaysia was a bit more cautious in terms of reopening a little bit later. And I think that that cautiousness, as opposed to that aggressiveness, comes through in a lot of the marketing and the messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, Thailand is pretty unafraid to, to, to promote itself unabashedly as, as the, the center of tourism in the region. Malaysia mm-hmm. has many, many strengths, but I think it sometimes doesn't play to some of those strengths. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, you know, along the same lines of, of, of that conversation, we're looking at being open. Um, Thailand seems to be one step ahead of everybody at every turn, you know, uh, offering visa-free facilities to China indefinitely, for example. I mm. mean, that's the kind of marketing that money can't buy, mm. you know, and it's technically it's free. Mm. All the government has to do is say, look, we welcome you and we're making it very, very easy for you to come into the country. Uh, Besides that, the recent, uh, and it's related, right? The recent, um, I think the abolishment of the alcohol tax, you know, that sends a message to the world and say, hey, you know, Thailand to some demographic is party central, Mm -hmm. you know? Come and visit, and legalization of certain, you know, um, interesting products. In, interesting products as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. they yeah. tried that too. Yeah, yeah, it's regardless of of what an individual might think. The message is that Thailand is going to be your dream destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a few years ago, of course, and, and again, we were talking about this. The whole Malaysia truly Asia thing, you know, was that jingle, that TV advert that essentially brought me to Malaysia many, many years ago. And the strength of that and the power behind that and the fact that I still remember that all these years later is something that continuously resonates with me. And I speak about this to people who talk about coming to visit Malaysia and why they should visit Malaysia. Has that kind of sentiment changed? Have we lost something since then, Nigel? You know, we haven't really lost anything. But maybe the only thing we've lost is we've lost sight of what that Malaysia Truly Asia tagline really, really means about Malaysia. Do you think maybe we've lost as a country a little bit of confidence? No, I don't think it's really uh, us as the ordinary people losing sight of that. I think Mm. it's really gotten mixed up in a lot of other things. And as I said before, it's not just about promoting or doing an ad or doing a song or going overseas to sell the country. It's got a lot to do with other things that affect people's perception of the country Mm. and our own perception. Uh, Politics being the main not driver, but the main reason why a lot of us have maybe become a little bit jaded with Mm. this whole idea of Malaysia being truly uh, Asia. Mm. But if I want to be very, very uh, honest with with myself, uh, I've travelled a lot over the last uh, couple of years. And quite frankly, even compared to a lot of our ASEAN neighbours, Malaysia actually is one of those countries that has a little bit of everything in it, you know, because of our history, our location, our geography. Um, We've got all of Asia in one country, and that's the strength we really should be playing to today. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with Nigel, absolutely everything he says there. I think one of the interesting things is, you know, I I talk to a lot of travellers throughout the country, coming from around the world, across Asia, and it's rare that you meet a traveller coming to Malaysia that doesn't you know, 
elucidate how much they enjoy Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah. But that's once you've got people in the country and you, then you can really showcase, mm. you know, the, the benefits of, of traveling here. Mm. It's the outside messaging, which I think still uh, Malaysia lags behind yeah. Thailand in terms of, you, you mentioned that, that confidence. And I think, you know, I said, I don't think Malaysia sometimes plays to its full strength. Um, it's, it's a combination of those two things. Just be a bit more mm. uh, freewheeling in, in, in promoting the benefits mm. of coming here. I mean, <clears throat> I've got, when I got here, and, and even still, you know, you've got, whether or not you like love them or hate them, you know, you're in the cities, you've got the malls, you've got jungles just around the corner, you've got fabulous beaches, the food is fantastic. You know, as you say, Gary, it, it's getting people here. And once they're here, that love, it, it, it spreads, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, next question then. Uh, and I, I guess we we touching on policy a little bit. What do you think Malaysian policymakers uh, could do? Uh, and to help look at the tourism bodies, to help them uh, and, and kind of follow some of Thailand's examples? Wow. <laughs> no, question. No, no, <laughs> notice I threw it over to you first. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, um, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to go um, back to... Be uh, honest, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to a previous point. There yeah. just needs to be a lot more uh, unity when it comes to, you know, the government agencies, uh, state or at federal level, working towards a common goal. Mm. You know, we've got we've got uh, a tourism ministry that's saying, okay, uh, this is where we're going to hit, this is what we're going to do as far as promotion of Malaysia's concern. And then we've got the different states, for whatever reason, saying, okay, we're going to focus on this and all that, but it seems not really to gel with the overall message, right? And then we've got uh, the other government agencies, uh, such as our transport transport ministry, you know, uh, the, the home ministry, uh, all arguing over their little turf saying, you know, this is the way we do things. And if you, whether you like it or not, whether you're a tourism player or not, these are the rules, you follow them, you know. Uh, I mean, just think about how long it took mm. before we finally got a visa-free policy for Chinese tourists. I mean, that was years in the making, yeah. you know, yeah. and this could have been done so much sooner. And it's had such an impact. It's already. had a great impact, you yeah. know, um, um, transportation. Now, mm. that's going to be extremely key over the next couple of years, you know, mm. while we may not be able to, uh, you know, promote Malaysia uh, uh, and, and get that kind of uh, return as quickly as we'd like to, mm. we should be building for the long term. Mm. Malaysia has land, space, it's got everything we need to upgrade our transport infrastructure mm. so that people have mobility, mm. you know. And mobility is a highly underrated thing when it comes to tourism. Also, last mile connectivity, I, I think, yeah. especially when you're traveling in and around the city. If you want city tourism, it's something that really needs to be addressed, I, I, I would say. Gary, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think going back to Nigel's point in terms of the the policy making, you know, it, it's often said, sometimes in jest, but there's a great deal of truth behind it, that most of Malaysia's uh, marketing is actually done by its airlines, who are pretty effective. So I think if you look over the last year, the three major airline groups, I'd say Malaysia Airlines, Air Asia, and Batik, mm. have done a pretty good job in restoring their route networks. Mm. None of them are quite back to where they were before, but they've done a pretty good job. And they're now looking at where they expand. And, you know, the airline economics have changed. Mm. Airline route networks have changed. 
But you're looking now at whether these airlines are looking to grow in 2024. And you're looking at the key markets, China, India, but also Middle East. You know, you're looking at other ASEAN markets as well. And I think, you know, the airlines do have a really, really strong role to play in promoting the country, bringing people in, taking people out as well. You know, mm. Malaysians are great advocates for Malaysia. Yeah. So the more Malaysians that travel, that's a great thing as well. But is everybody talking to everybody? Is that are the policymakers, are the, the the different state levels, are the airlines, are they talking to each other enough to bring this all together? Mm. You know, there was that rather dis, disconcerting case of my airline last year. Now, you know, that didn't reflect well on the country, and it caused a lot of stress and anxiety for a lot of Malaysians. It didn't really reflect too much internationally because you know, my airline mm. hadn't really established a, an international presence at mm. that point. You're right, though. I mean, the airlines are essentially evangelizing, you know, Malaysia to, to a degree. And, and that little issue of, like, food not being exactly perfect on, on particular airlines, you know, when Malaysians were traveling and that little bit of it, it's not quite right. This isn't how we want to be represented. And that kind of moving around and shaking up of that to make sure that what you see and you order your first Malaysian dish on a Malaysian airline is Malaysian food and represented well has a big impact, right? It does, but I wonder whether actually it's had more of an impact on Malaysian travellers than international travellers. Right. You know, a lot of international travellers, you know, you, it's pride you, you don't really right? expect the food to be that great on airlines. It's just a fact <laughs> of life, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think the airlines have done a great job. One thing, but in terms of everybody talking to each other, you know, the big negative impact over the last year was KLAA. You know, yeah. just just the time that that's taken to recover as mm. a, its, its service offerings and particularly the lack of that train. You know, mm. that is a big impact. Mm. Mm. Um, so the fact that the airlines are still being bringing in uh, you know, big quantities of travellers mm. um, is to their credit. All right. We have to take another short break here, folks. Of course, if you do want to contribute to the conversation, you know where we are. You can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. Also get us via X. We are at BFM Radio. We'll be back in just a couple of moments, of course. We are exploring what makes Thailand tourism stand out. Maybe when we come back, we can kind of flip around a, look, a, a little bit and um, figure out if... Thailand actually do have any weaknesses when it comes to their tourism industry. Maybe have a look into that. Anyway, get in touch, folks. We'll be right back here on Enterprise Explores here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Billions from me. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. Uh, my name is Rich Bradbury, of course. This is Enterprise Explores. Uh, we are exploring uh, today um, Thailand's travel industry, I guess, and how and why they seem to be at the top of the tables every time we talk about this. Uh, not so much we're, we're coming from a, a place of jealousy, perhaps, maybe a little bit here in Malaysia. Um, but, I, of course, just before the break, guys, we were talking about, you know, how, how good they do things, how well they do things. Um, do they have an Achilles heel when it comes to their tourism industry, Nigel? Uh, yeah, I think maybe not now at the moment, but uh, if they continue this rate of growth and it remains unchecked, then over-tourism is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, the numbers that they're getting now are great. You know, it's good for the economy. But the question is going to be, uh, you know, how 
are they going to be able to grow with those numbers that they're projecting? And mm. those are major leaps, mm. you know. Uh, so, yeah, over-tourism is going to be one potential Achilles heel. Uh, the other, of course, again, the flip side to, to, to every, you know, good thing, there's always a dark side to the moon, right? Mm. Uh, we, we talked about uh, some of the uh, more interesting products that uh, Thailand's offering. Yeah. And at the moment, it seems to be a draw. But that could also potentially be another Achilles heel if they also don't keep tabs, you know, of what they are saying that you can do mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we did see over-tourism for a while on one of the islands off of Phi Phi and mm-hmm. a few other places. Uh, Gary, can you think of any other Achilles heels? Well, I would agree with Nigel. I think one of the interesting things for a, an economy, a tourism economy of that size, is it has relatively few international gateways, air, air, airports. Yeah. So you could see a lot more overcrowding its airports. If, you, if you've flown into Dom Wang or Subhanapum over the past year or so, relatively smooth, actually. But, you know, the Chinese market hasn't really come back in, in any scale to, to Thailand yet. Probably will do this year. Mm. So you can have much more pressure on the, the airports. I think that's one issue. I agree um, that dispersal of tourists throughout the country is going to be an issue. Um, they are trying to uh, approach that, but it's a big it's a big challenge because people want to go to the main centers, the main issues. Um, and I think the other one probably as you go forward is managing costs. So managing the cost of travel, particularly for domestic tourists. Um, you know, as, as more international tourists come back, this is one of the issues we have in Malaysia as well. Yeah. Uh, it pushes up the cost for domestic tourists. And mm. domestic tourism should never be overlooked. It's a very, very important part of, mm. of every tourism economy. So that's mm. something that could be a challenge. Right. So the, the new government has this uh, soft power policy. Uh, and the National Soft Power Strategy Committee proposed that $145 million US dollars uh, be set aside to fund initiatives into the entertainment, tourism, arts, and publishing sectors. What do we know about the Thai government's plans to boost the tourism sector and, and get back to pre-COVID levels? Um, well, I have to admit, at this point in time, we don't know uh, specifically what they're going to do. But based on history, you know, I think they'll be channeling a lot of that. Besides into promotions, of course, uh, they're going to be promoting a lot of their local culture, which is, I think, one of Thailand's major strengths when it comes to tourism. Uh, you go to these shows overseas and the first thing you notice uh, will be two Muay Thai fighters, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, sort of duking it out on stage, you yeah. know, and uh, getting you to go up and be a part of that experience, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they're actively developing... Uh, those, I would say, relatively new products in the eyes of the world, you know. Uh, they're going to be putting things into events, obviously. Mm. Mm. Uh, and they're also going to be putting uh, money, uh, which is what we see, into the development uh, of some of the local attractions, you know. Uh, hopefully outside the main uh, attraction centres and the big cities, you know, mm. more into the rural communities. Um, I also have heard that they do have a... Uh, initiative when it comes to sustainable tourism and probably that's where some of that money is going to go Mm -hmm. as well. Gary, you heard any rumblings? Yeah, I have. I think one of the interesting things, I agree with what Nigel said, I think, you know, it's probably an acceptance that travel and tourism doesn't exist in its own ecosystem anymore, which a lot of travel and tourism marketing boards tend to think. Mm. But if you look at the way travel and tourism is evolving, it's all about lifestyle now. It's about music. It's about fashion. It's about creativity. It's about festivals. And I think that's what they're trying to push forward. I mean, 
you know, in the, in the next couple of months, you know, everybody's going to be talking about Taylor Swift coming to Singapore. Bruno Mars just played in Macau. You know, music tourism is a big thing in it's Asia Pacific huge, and yeah. it's going to grow and grow and grow. Thailand wants to be a part of that. Yeah. Also TV tourism. Yeah. You know, Thailand has just secured the rights to be um, the filming destination for White Lotus Series 3. So the first two series were in Hawaii and Sicily. Massive global franchise. You know, this is really going to promote Thai tourism around the world. So these kinds of things, um, taken individually but when you add them to the aggregate of, of total marketing really really powerful in terms mm. of soft power mm. now uh, just before we take another break uh, let, let's talk about um, other countries within Southeast Asia who um I, I guess our potential key tourism dollar competitors right I mean we we know the countries but is there anybody at this point where shortly they, they could match perhaps where Thailand are or not be too far behind? Uh, well, first off, before I, I, I say anything about that, uh, just on your previous note, we are yeah. a little bit green, you know, in, in the eyes when we look at the Thai tourism budget. <laughs> so, you know, if there's anybody from Tourism Malaysia <laughs> listening in, a bigger budget would be great, you know. Um, but yeah, look... Say uh, that louder. I'm not so sure that, I'm not so sure they heard you. you know? get, get the podcast and replay it, all right? Um, but if we look at uh, some of our neighbouring countries like Vietnam, we were talking about Vietnam earlier yeah, on, yeah. and even uh, Cambodia, you know, I visited Cambodia just before uh, the lockdowns happened mm. and then had the opportunity to do so again uh, just after it reopened. And these countries have undergone, during this quiet period, uh, some massive changes, you know, and for the better. And they're beginning to realise that uh, tourism for them, for these countries, is going to be extremely important. And so we see... Uh, that these countries, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam especially, are going to be ramping up their efforts in pulling in uh, you know, and competing for that uh, tourism segment. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we can take a short break here, uh, and I've got just a couple more questions when we come back. We are running out of time, but folks, again, if you want to get in touch, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018789 We'll be right back here after these messages on Enterprise Explores here on BFM 89.9. Breaking Financial Matters, BFM 89.9. Welcome back, ladies and gents. This is uh, Enterprise Explores. My name is Rich Bradbury here on BFM 89.9, of course. It's the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And today we are exploring what makes Thailand's tourism stand out. And here in the studio with me is Gary Bauman, a Director of Travel and Tourism Research for Check-In Asia. Of course, he is an analyst over there. And Nigel Wong, President of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents, the national umbrella representative body for Malaysia's travel industry. We've got about five or six minutes left, guys, and uh, there's a couple of questions, um, and they seem quite broad, but we, let's try and narrow them down a little bit. Looking ahead, and this sounds like such a simple question with a very complicated answer, what does Malaysia need to do in order to ensure that Visit Malaysia 2026 is a success? No, no, no pressure, Nigel. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, besides that call for the budget. <laughs> budget is a good idea, just in case you're listening uh, Tourism Malaysia. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think what we need to do is get our game uh, on early. Mm. So we have until 2026. It's actually not a lot of time if you, At all. Just, you know, talk about two years. Mm. Uh, so we have to be very uh, intentional in how we promote Malaysia. We're going to have to be very uh, um, focused on our strategy and our message especially because that's where we're going to win or lose mind share. Uh, and if we do all these things right, 
and if you help the industry prep to receive these tourists and mm. do their own, you know, marketing on their own, um, we could be looking at a very, very good 2026. Mm. Gary? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's every chance of, of positivity. As you go along, you've also got to w- watch out very, very closely for new travel and tourism trends, new consumer behaviours, because we are in a new era. Travel and tourism is changing quite fast. Technology mm. um, particularly is driving the way uh, consumers perceive destinations, where they perceive travel, the way they book travel, the way they use travel when they're in destination. So we have to be very, very aware of technological change for sure. Mm. Um, but consumers themselves, are, as I mentioned earlier, you know, they don't just perceive travel and tourism as an escape anymore. It's part of their lifestyle. Style. And so we have to understand that the lifestyle economy, not just the travel economy, is where this is heading. When we're looking at attracting tourism uh, from overseas, you know, which particular countries do you think that both Thailand and Malaysia are, are vying for? Who do they want to come here to travel? Who does Thailand really want to come to their country? Gary, you want to take this one first? I'll start with that one. So obviously the Chinese market is the biggest market uh, and the Indian market is growing very, very fast. We saw last year just how Air India has the world's largest uh, purchase of, of airplanes where those are going to be deployed over the coming years is going to be very, very interesting. But certainly some of those are going to come into Southeast Asia. Mm. The airlines here want to attract, want to get into more secondary and third tier cities in India, uh, China as well. Malaysia traditionally does quite well in the Middle Eastern markets. You want to attract your ASEAN markets. You want to diversify and bring more long-haul travelers from Europe and North America because they tend to stay longer and spend more. Um, So you really want to diversify and and attract the world. Mm. But you're going to have those key driver markets Mm. are going to be China and India. Sorry, I had to ask Gary because he just validated everything I had in my head. You know, so yeah, Gary's absolutely right. You know, we're going to be competing for the two major uh, uh, markets here. Mm. You know. China and India, uh, we of course need to also make sure that we don't neglect our ASEAN neighbours because you know it's it's short haul travel. It's very easy to go between the countries, and you know for our neighbours, it's much easier to sell a lot of the other uh, tourism products that we have, medical tourism, for example. Right. Yeah. You know uh, because of the distance. So mm. yeah, I agree with you, Gary. Those th- that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and, or, and medical tourism, I think, it's a really strong one. That's changing quite mm. a lot, particularly with technology, with the way that uh, investment. There's quite a lot of investment here in medical mm. and aesthetic technology. Mm. Uh, that's one to watch out for. Uh, just uh, during the show, I, uh, I had an email come in from, uh, from Airbnb. I, I kind of told you guys about this, but let's have a quick chat. It's, it's kind of a bit of a pos- piece of positive news. Uh, from Airbnb, Malaysia emerges as a top destination for China travellers on Airbnb this winter. We have made the top 10 list. Um, I have asked you before, but I'm going to get you to pretend that you don't know. Can you guess who is number one on this top 10 list? <laughs> It's got to be Thailand, it's right? It's Thailand. Thailand. Yes, it's yeah. Thailand. But uh, Malaysia did make the number six spot. And above us, there is the US of A, there's Australia, there's New Zealand, there's Japan. And of course, at number one is Thailand. Any surprises there in the top uh, top six, top ten? Mm, maybe New Zealand I was a little bit surprised by. The others, yeah. No, no. I was a bit surprised by uh, Australia as well, because from what we understand, the inbound tourism to Australia hasn't picked up, but... Obviously, 2024 is going to be a good year for Australia. I think so. I think it's, this is going to be a big year of change. Mm. And, you know, we'll, we'll be monitoring it quite closely over the coming months. Mm. I think Australia has quite big amb- ambitions for its inbound market. The China market is going to be coming back there for sure. Great. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks, Rich. 
Folks, I've been speaking with travel and tourism analyst Gary Bauman, the director of travel and tourism research firm Check in Asia, and Nigel Wong, president of the Malaysian Association of Tour and Travel Agents, MATA, the national umbrella representative body for Malaysia's travel industry. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at BFM or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise Explores. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow here on Enterprise Explores on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.